The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming songwriter, producer, mixer and programmer Emre Ramazanoglu onto the podcast, who has worked with Noel Gallagher, Kylie, Jack Savaretti, Lily Allen, Richard Ashcroft, you 2 and many, many more during his career so far. So welcome Emre, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm all good. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, whereabouts are you then? I'm in London. London, okay, you in your studio? I'm in my studio, yes, today. Uh, okay, home studio? No, no, I have a studio at a place called Hoxha. That's the one. A, a nice room. Okay, and yeah. how has that been um, over the last year and maybe this year as well? How have things changed? What's been going on with you? Uh, it's no, no different particularly, um, uh, apart from uh, the music business shutting down in large areas. Um but otherwise, I've been doing quite a lot of stuff, really. been quite lucky. So That's good. So, yeah, I love the way yeah. you uh, sort of uh, handled that in the British way. Nothing much going on other than the complete shutdown of the music yeah. industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Utter <laughs> devastation of everything, and we're all doomed. But it's fine. We'll Onward. all just have a cup no. of tea, and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> um all right that's great to hear though that you've um, been able to keep working a lot of producers and engineers yeah. and mixers that i speak to have said the same which obviously isn't the same for all careers in the music industry but it is the small positive i suppose of being able to work in a studio or a home studio isn't it yeah i do i do lots of different stuff so i've got a sort of mirrored setup at home so i can go and do childcare and bits and bobs and deal with stuff and be flexible so it's, it's pretty it's pretty good i guess uh, spending a bit more time on things because people are spending more time on things i guess is one of the secret benefits mm. of all this that's that's been quite interesting so but, you've had um, more more time on projects do you mean yeah people have taken a little bit longer deadlines haven't really been there so if it's been a good idea we've been able to do a bit more work on stuff which is great actually okay that's good um, i wondered if that was a benefit or not because i know some people i speak to say you can almost have too much time and maybe too many technology options these days that you don't know when uh, to finish something. How do you know when when I to end a, right. a if project? You, if you have a good idea what you're doing, it's it's just a good thing, really. Okay. But if you're, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a problem. Okay, it's, it's useful, and if you, yeah, if you're prone to overdo things, then maybe it's not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've got it Lots sorted. Of then. All good. Yeah, I don't know. You still, you still, you still have to manage all the different projects. So it's it's just it's useful to have a bit of flexibility. I think. Mm, absolutely and um, before we get into your career I'd love to know a bit about your background were you always interested in music when you were a kid did you always see yourself doing something oh, in it one uh, day not particularly until I was about 14 and then I just worked out that that was exactly what I wanted to do which is quite helpful because that's reasonably young still so you know I thought that's fine this is what I'm going to do and I haven't changed my mind since so that's been pretty pretty good made school a bit interesting because I didn't really want to do that much but um it was uh, a <laughs> it, it made everything else sort of easier to work out because I knew what I wanted to do from I guess quite a young age well yeah that is really young actually and what was it that made you think yes this is what I'm going to do being only oh, 14 I just I started playing drums and that was that was it gotcha so you went from so, there yeah, okay that was it that, was, that did it completely. I see. And what did your family say? And you're like, Mom, well, Dad, I'm going to be under, in the music under, underwhelmed. <laughs> underwhelmed. They're both uh, they're both academics, so it's uh, it's yeah, underwhelmed. But now very happy, you know. Of so, course, look at you now, eh? Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't look too closely, but yeah, <laughs> broadly speaking, yeah. yeah. And how did you first become interested in working in the music production side of things if you uh, were first interested in drumming? Uh, just necessity, really. And I was always doing sort of bits of programming and sampling, and I was always interested in that kind of stuff. And then uh, when I first got to London, um, which was quite a while ago now, uh, the music industry was in another shutdown of post sort of post good record sales and pre-streaming there was a big dip and uh, there wasn't much session playing at all and so doing sort of engineering and programming and producing was just became sort of the way to earn money and also i liked it and got into it so that that was just a succession of kind of different sort of uh different events that all made that possible really oh, i see so were you self-taught or did you get some experience um in a uh, recording studio no, it was all self-taught and on the job, basically, which is quite a good way of doing it because you can't mess up. <laughs> you have to get it all right at the beginning. So, yeah. Right. Okay. How was it, uh, you know, trying to self-teach at that time then? how I'm sure you learned a lot of uh, things along the way, how to not well, do things, no, how to do things. No internet resources at all exactly. at that point. No YouTube and no online manuals or anything. So it was just uh, well, there was there was uh, one website that was quite good, but it didn't have like lots of detail. So it's mainly just getting yourself into the right places and doing jobs alongside good people and working out what they were doing. That was the method, and just lucky, you know, about, uh, and working really hard and teaching myself. And I got um, very quick on Pro Tools very quickly, and then managed to get a relationship with Avid, who was digital design at the time. And uh, that's been really good because I've always had sort of nice contacts there to bounce ideas off and, and work out what was going on and that kind of thing. So that's always been useful too. Oh, excellent. Have you stuck with Pro Tools to this day then? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, that's what I use still. Okay. I still uh, do stuff in Ableton as well and, you know, can use Logic if I have to, but I don't choose to. So it's, um Yeah. Okay, that's the one, yeah. The main thing. But Pro, Pro Tools is the main thing I use, yeah. Okay. Which has been great doing the immersive stuff because that's a really nice yes, link I up. Yes, I bet, yeah. And um, I've, se- I've seen somewhere before you've said you've lucked yourself into some mad jobs. So what oh, did yeah. you mean by that? What are some of these jobs? <laughs> oh, God. It's all, like, um, I think I was on tour with a DJ duo playing drums in their project and another DJ had just had his programmer leave and said, can you do fashion shows? Of which I immediately went, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely no idea what he was talking about. So um ended up just turning up at his place, uh, to his studio, and then working out what it was on the spot, which was really a massive blag, but it was it was all right. And ended up just, I've worked constantly in doing these huge couture shows for 20 years now, you know, like li- literally everybody. Um, so it's been, that was a quite a mad one. And, you know, my first job ever, I think it was Alexander McQueen, and I didn't know who he was at all. And so this sort of guy just sort of rocks up to the studio who looks like really just totally a normal dude. I had no idea what a fashion designer was like and starts sort of saying, play the music then mate. And I'm like, who is, who are you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Should I play the music? John, who is this guy? <laughs> and yeah, so, and everyone called him Lee. So I had no idea who he was either. Right. It was even more confusing. But anyway, yeah, so that, that was one mad one and that's gone on for years and it's been really interesting. I've done some really crazy, huge installations and all kinds of stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and yeah, there's lo- lots of other ones as well. Um, yeah, that is a quite yeah. mad one, though. To be fair, getting into the fashion world and still in it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's yeah, very weird. <laughs> Do you know all your designers now? I'm, I'm on it. You're <laughs> on it. That didn't last long. I worked out from then it was probably very good idea to work out who was doing what, um, but it was fine. Um, yeah, yeah Lee was very now. very cool. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's he good. Wasn't bothered by that at all. Oh, that's good. So on the yeah. um, production side of things, given that you were self-taught, so would you say when you look back, was there a moment in your career where you had perhaps a big break or a moment when things started to really pick up and gain traction for you? Uh, definitely when I uh, joined Jim Abbas's band, that was the main thing. Um, he was a great, amazing producer and mixer and everything. He's such a great engineer as well. And um, he was doing his own band after just having a very successful run of production and, and stuff. And I joined as a drummer and programmer and that led on to meeting lots of good people and, and lots of other bits and bobs. So yeah, that was a good, that was a good break. Okay. And at the same time, almost exactly the same time, I think I got called to start doing sort of pro tools jobs. And my first one was, I think Shakira for a while in, in Metropolis, which was my first, one of my first sort of big sessions in, in the really super money spending times mm. so that was good but they ended really quickly everyone ended up just doing stuff with assistants in in, in the cafe because the mbox came out and uh, loads of you know it's just easier to do stuff on a smaller scale so you didn't need to hire pro tool specialists anymore or anything like that but yeah so those bit, bits and that was kind of the time and from that everything just carried on from there lots of different jobs spiraled out of that yeah, absolutely. Just from looking at your credentials, you've done things to do with filmic landscapes, you love 80s pop, beats, jazz, and you describe your sound as dysfunctional pop. So no, how that's so? My, that's my manager. Oh, my manager okay. That. But that's, that's fine. He's allowed to. He He's can allowed. Do that. I don't describe myself at all in any way. You don't describe <laughs> so, <laughs> Just stay away from it completely. He's allowed to. Okay, okay. Why has your manager said this? Is it just because of the range and the variety of yeah, stuff that you've done, lo- basically? Yeah, it's a huge range of stuff, which is great. Gotcha. So that's been quite a nice thing. Okay. Lots and lots of stuff. I see, I see. And then um, one of the big things that you've worked on, um, of course, is Noel Gallagher's album, Who Built the Moon. Um, so oh, how yeah. did you get involved with this? How did you go from engineering to also drumming, programming and mixing the whole lot? Because you must have essentially oh, that, become that, an integral part of the whole sonics of this album. That was David Holmes, who I'd started working with, who I absolutely dearly love and is amazing. Um uh is uh and he asked me along to do that as well because i was doing some film mixing for him on his his scores and some drumming and stuff and so he just introduced that and then uh i met noel in the first couple of weeks we got on and then his drummer left and then he turned around and said it'd be great if you played drums and then david pipes up from the back going well actually (laughs) (laughs) so um that's how that happened and i was like oh all right then and to his in fair play you know we did stuff and then similar things with the mixing and all that kind of thing. That was that was very much led by Noel, though, really, that, that record. Um, but, yeah, that, that's how that happened. Just getting on with people, really. Yeah, I see. Right place, right time again. Um, brilliant. Yeah. So how did you work together with Noel and, I guess, his team in the studio? What was your process? How did you tackle this project? Um, that was really between Noel and David, really, because David was producing it with him. And um, it just... They'd done some original demo ideas, I think, in Ireland, and they brought them over and we'd flesh them out. I think it was pretty much that was it. And Noel was still writing the whole way through up until the end of the mix was still being written, which is unusual for him. He normally comes in with everything written. So um, I've gone on afterwards to do a bunch more tracks with him 
after his collaboration with David. So that's a very different process. He tends to come in with a written track and just, and it's done. So this was backwards. Okay, that makes sense. Um, on the other side of the musical spectrum, you've of course worked with so many different artists in different um, in different ways. So you've mixed uh, Kylie's "Music's Too Sad Without You" for a number one album, and you produce a mix for Lily <laughs> Allen. So tracks yeah. from her latest album, so completely different there. So how does your workflow yeah. change depending on if you're tracking, programming, writing, or mixing? Um, it's all just. A- with what you're hearing at the time i think and making that come out the speakers i think that's the basic workflow that applies to everything so if you've got a nice idea of what you're trying to trying to do then the different techniques and skills i guess come into play that i don't think about it too much anymore just try and you know have a have a concept and make that happen so that's the sort of similarity in all the workflow and otherwise the, the differences are just um you know uh, working out who's steering the boat pretty much at that point and if it's you if you're producing it then working out you know where you're going and how it's all working and if you're just doing drum programming or something you know working out with the producer what they want and what works best and hopefully something you like too and not always the case but you know that's sort of the, the workflow really mm, okay and were you involved with any of the recording side of you know the kylie track or were you just mixing it after the fact i think i played drums on that Oh, Actually, you only think. <laughs> I can't remember. Is that bad? <laughs> it's not bad because it just shows you've done a lot. <laughs> just, yeah, I can't. I genuinely can't remember. I'm. I think I played drums on that as well. Okay. Um, I may. Uh, I don't remember. I maybe did some recording. I've. J, I absolutely is man. I, I just can't remember if I did or not. Um, <laughs> but I think so. <laughs> okay. What about Lily Allen producing and mixing um, four of her tracks from the latest album? How was that? Uh, uh, we, I did that with my friend Seb, who's a very musical guy. And um, ba, 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 what did we do? Uh, that, I think we just started from a blank screen on those, actually, and uh, and built all the tracks up um, around uh, vocal. I think that's what happened. And then maybe a couple of them we had at starting blocks that then we worked on afterwards. But, yeah, it, it's effectively just full productions, uh and then you know working with lily i think remotely a bit actually on that to get them how she wanted but that was a really fun process it was that was really good we did multiple versions of a couple of them until we found something that would that worked because there were tracks that i think a lot of people had worked on before and it never quite worked so um we, we sort of found a path through in the end so that was great it's a really fun project that, actually oh, okay that's good and what was the general sort of sound that you settled on in the end if they'd had a few iterations before uh i think they're all slightly genreless in the end which i think was the intention okay so that that was that was pretty cool Mm, okay and then just other end of the spectrum completely you've also worked on the killing eve soundtrack so great show so how did you get involved with this one that's with david actually and david's done all the music with kiefer's chance here and um uh, I think me and Sam Dixon played drums and bass on quite a lot of it and doing stuff on on unloved tracks as well that were part of it. And then I think I did a lot of sort of drum bed programming of like whole sort of drum landscapes, electronic and and otherwise. And then as the different seasons have gone through, I think we've done the last two or three seasons, we've it's been sort of some references that we 
have and then we'll, we'll play drum and bass sort of beds again for other people to play on so it's been it's a really cool process that one it's always fun doing the killing you stuff yeah i'll bet and i'm not sure where they're up to on the production of this have you worked on or are you working on season four i don't know yet oh okay i don't know maybe <laughs> um it's hard to keep track sometimes so that always know 100 percent what we're doing um and unless it's the picture i sometimes don't know at all what it is maybe <laughs> okay that's a good enough answer you don't have to give away yeah. the uh, secrets especially if you don't know them <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know <laughs> we'll find out we'll find out won't we i still haven't seen it that's one thing you haven't seen any of it seen. no <laughs> <laughs> it's really good <laughs> Yeah, people, people have said it's great. It's really good. You should look. be very proud. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it's excellent, especially season one. It was really, really good. Really mm. nice. Oh, really nice show. Really slickly done. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I have, I have to check it. Very dark. Well, if you haven't watched it during lockdown, I'm not sure when you're going to watch it. Maybe once it's all out and it's finished, maybe then you can binge watch the whole thing. Yes, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> imagine I'm just trying um, to comprehend that yeah it's very it's very dark so maybe space it out a little bit got you understood yeah <laughs> and um so recently i see you've upgraded your home recording space to a full immersive setup so of course these oh, days no, that's the studio that's the oh studio. the studio is it sorry yeah, no mistake. that would be that would be pretty mental at home um <laughs> no the studio <laughs> come on Okay, you've upgraded yeah. your studio space to a full immersive setup. So these days, yeah. um, there are, of course, more and more Dolby Atmos mixes being made. So when did you yeah. decide to make the jump to upgrade to this? Uh, I started working actually with Dolby, um, hmm, maybe in oh, April, perhaps. And uh, they were looking for mix engineers to onboard and get into Atmos for Music with, for the big launch that was coming in. Uh, it worked out really well. I just got on with it and got on with the workflow and everyone there is super helpful and really, uh, really good. So it was, it's been a great process, honestly. Okay. Had you been wanting to do that or explore that possibility for a while? Um, I always found it interesting, but I didn't think it was particularly accessible until working with Genelec as well and the new software renderer. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is doable. And um, I didn't... Re- I didn't realize there was going to be such a big focus on music. It was more just a film. It was a film mixing mm. medium for me, really. That's what I thought. Okay. I mean, I never got asked to do any Atmos mixes for, for the scores. So I never really thought about it much, but um, yeah, I learned that it was very applicable to music and great. And when I saw it was, you could do stuff in headphones. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. People will like this. So mm. I totally bought into it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Incredible um, opportunities that this brings to the yeah. music industry and the whole immersive feel of it and um, just giving you more tools to play with. I can only imagine it's quite a lot of fun, <laughs> I imagine. So, um, it's a killer. Yeah, it's great. I what mean, is uh, your, um, the, oh, sorry, go on. No, it's okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask, um, in your studio then, so what does your immersive setup look like? So I know you're using Genelec monitors, as you mentioned. Oh, yeah, it's a 7.2.4, which is sort of seven surround speakers, two subwoofers, and four ceiling speakers. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of pretty, well, very surround. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very yeah. surround indeed. So did yeah. you use the, is it the GLM system to calibrate this for the yes. immersive setup? Yeah, exactly. Okay. that's That's been amazing. And that's actually my volume control as well, because um, having controlling 13 speakers means you need a volume control that, attenuates 13 things at once and they are very expensive and sort of specific um 
so this is I'm really happy with the way GLM works. I can just use that to turn things up and down, and it does all the phase correction and delays and uh, frequency attenuation. So it's a yeah, it's a really good system for this size room. It's brilliant. Okay, excellent. And did you set this uh, system up yourself, or did someone from Genelec come and do that? Yeah, Andy from Genelec came and made it all work. Oh, good old Andy! But, um, shout out to Andy. Oh, massive shout out to Andy. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. He's the He's a man. I mean, you can do it yourself, though, uh, which is a nice thing about GLM. You could sit there and do readings, but it's it was obviously quicker and with someone who does it all the time and is so talented. So that's uh, that's that was really great. Mm-hmm. Very lucky on that front for sure. And um, how did you find mixing in Atmos when you first started? Because obviously um, it's a completely different setup. I think there's up to is it 128 objects and bed channels in it. a Dolby Atmos mix. So how did you you know adapt to this was it a steep learning curve uh massively steep really brutal and i thought i had ages to get it together and i didn't at all as always seems to be the case as um i sort of got my speakers up and everything was fine and then apple did their immersive announcement pretty much the week after i was like oh god so <laughs> it was a huge steep learning curve but luckily i've got a couple of friends who are very heavily deep into atmos mixing and um they've mainly done atmos uh, for cinema, but one of them had done a lot of Atmos for music in America, so I picked his brains and got some very good workflow tips and some very good conceptual tips, and it seems to have worked out. So that's that's really good. Okay, and that's the, good that you the, had some friends to lean on there to get some help yeah, to grapple with it. Can really, only imagine. Really good. Yeah, really good. And there's a working one of the majors. There's someone there who's extremely extremely good and technical and very very competent and that um is super helpful because their guide on how to deliver stuff is actually really useful for learning how to do it at all so that's um that's that's very cool mm. and um it may sound like an obvious question but some people don't quite i guess get the whole concept behind it so how does it allow you to create a new level of immersion with your music and what music have you been working on recently using it oh um god blimey uh so it's in the speaker base setup, you can just put sound anywhere around you in the room really accurately with the objects. So you can float sound in space or put it in stereo field or anywhere you like above, behind, um, around. And that is, you know, it uses, it really works really well to localize sound. So you can make a mix that's in stereo immersive by bringing all the elements out into the room and, and making them surround you. They don't have to be moving at all. It can be quite static. Um, and so that, that's great. And then that folds down to a stereo mix, which, um, works in a couple of different ways and that can sound uh depending on how your ears and head shape work with uh, head, the headphones you're using and it can it can sound really really spatial or it can sound just more spacious and detailed so it's generally a nice listening experience if it's if the mix is done in a way that works well otherwise it you know if the mix isn't great it can really get worse as you fold it down um and yeah, uh, what was the other part of the question? Sorry, um, drifted off now. Oh yes, through. what kinds of um, music have you been working on? If you're allowed to say oh, using immersive, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but a lot okay. in the past. Let me have a look and see. <laughs> um, there's definitely some stuff is out already. I think Celeste's single is out, um, and I'm not sure. Is he cross? There's quite a lot of things. Steam down, I think, has come out now. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I'm looking at 16, 20, like 40 mixes in front of me in the last three weeks, really. Mm. That's a lot, a lot of output. Yeah, that certainly is a lot. 
So I guess that kind of answers my next question. I was going to ask, do you think more artists will embrace creating music in Dolby Atmos music going forward? It sounds like they already are, though, to be fair. I hope so, because if you're creating it in Atmos, that's really different than the job you're mainly getting asked to do, which is um, convert mixes to be immersive. So you're really respecting the original stereo mix and you're making an immersive version. But a mix in Atmos is completely different. You'd use the actual system to its fullest and, and do something exciting and interesting. So I am doing that with one band I'm producing an album for. They're, they're really excited by Atmos, and we've actually gone into Dolby and chatted all through, and we're actually going to probably do the uh, the album as the Atmos being the main version, which would be really cool. So that will really use a lot of the power of Atmos that you don't normally hear in spatial mixes because we're being quite respectful to the stereo mix. So that's interesting. Okay, awesome. And um, you mentioned your immersive setup there with Genlake, but which speakers are you actually using? Oh, I've got, because my, my mix room's not huge, I'm using 8330s uh, and then 7360s for the subs. And you need two to bass manage this many speakers, basically. And also my stereo mix, I do tons of stereo mixing still. Uh, that setup's completely separate. So, um, and that, that also is bass managed with the subs. So I, I need a lot of inputs and to get the kind of level you need to get uh, to officially be approved for an Atmos room is uh, you need a fair amount of bass management. So yeah, that's why there's two subs, which I didn't understand initially why I'd need that until I started working. I was like, oh, right, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I did wonder. So they, you have to meet a, site, a certain criteria, is that right? Yeah, the SBL output, yeah, which is, I can't even remember technically what it is now. It's 86 dB SBL, I think, maybe. I, um, there's there's slight variances, but I don't want to get called out on that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's louder than you'd think Okay, awesome. in a small room, for sure. Right, and um, so what is it that you look for in a studio monitor and what difference does having these Genlink monitors make to your immersive work? Uh, I'm guessing everything. <laughs> yeah, these are like amazingly detailed, uh, really, really, really detailed. And GLM makes them extremely balanced and flat as well as the design of the speaker being good. So they're perfect. It's perfect for Atmos mixing because they're so over-detailed in some ways that you can... Um, when I'm matching stuff and really getting in tonally to making sure everything sounds the same as the stereo mix, these are perfect. Everything leaps out if it's not right. So the, the, these are great. They're really great reference monitors. Okay, um, brilliant. Yeah. In my room, they're working really, really well. Good to hear. Good to hear. And um, what have you got that you're allowed to speak about, of course, in terms of any projects coming up soon or maybe later this year? Oh, um, are you fully booked? One is it busy at very the big one I can't mention. Let me see what else is coming up. Okay. Um, also, I maybe think, Killing Eve. Who knows? Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, there's <laughs> movies coming up. Um, okay. I think one is actually been mentioned already called Decepted Isle, which is very interesting about Boris Johnson and the handling of the pandemic. Maybe. So I think that's already been announced that it's coming out. There's another crime movie which is quite good we're doing but um there's lots of music projects but they are slightly edgier about saying where, when they're coming out and what they're doing so i can't really talk about them um though what will uh, yeah actually i don't know i really don't know what i'm gonna have to talk about when, when is this coming out actually? that's fine no we won't get you in any trouble we won't press you to uh, reveal your secrets that's absolutely fine <laughs> that's right. yeah. don't get in trouble about with the five labels or six. Five or six album projects, some really cool stuff that I'm very excited about doing, let's say. Okay, yeah. awesome, awesome. Well, that's great to know you've got loads of stuff lined up and um, uh, just really cool to hear about your setup and how you're embracing Dolby Atmos and everything. Um, it's, uh -huh. It certainly seems like the way to go at the moment. A lot of producers are getting into that now. Yeah, it's interesting. 
um, yeah, it's maybe not quite what a lot of them think, but it's uh, it's certainly easy. I do lots of mastering as well, so a lot of that skill set comes into place. A lot of that. Mm, okay. Uh, and some ceramics and a lot of the sound design stuff I've done comes into place as well, actually. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Okay, all of your experience coming together at the right time. Yeah, Excellent. it feels like it a bit, actually. It's nice. Yeah, that's good. Well, if only you could go back and tell your 14-year-old self. <laughs> Just keep going. Be a lawyer. Be a Immediately lawyer. be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you would have considered being a lawyer ever? Was it absolutely not? Other people think it's a good idea. I should have been. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm very happy. <laughs> I won't ask why. Well, I'm glad this has worked out for you. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your Thanks, day. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure no to talk to you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.